Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We are working our way through the book of Hebrews. If you were to join us on any other Sunday morning, this is exactly where we would be at this point in our study in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to begin reading in verse 26 this morning. You know, I believe all of the New Testament points us toward Jesus. All of the Bible, as a matter of fact, points us toward Jesus. And so this morning in the passage that we're going to study, this is not your traditional, uh, typical, if I can say, Sunday of Easter, I mean, excuse me, Christmas Sunday morning. It's not an Easter Sunday morning passage either necessarily. But this morning as we study through this, we will see, I believe, the fullness of the hope and the joy that we have because of Christmas in this text this morning in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to preach shorter than I normally do. I've, I've been making the joke to our church over the last few weeks, it's not really such a joke, right, that there's no such thing as a bad short sermon, and so I'm going to preach a little shorter than I might normally preach this morning, but you'll also have to bear with me. The, uh, the Oklahoma weather and the, the turn in the, uh, the, the weather, particularly with all this moisture and some warmth, is doing a number on my allergies this morning, and I know several of you uh, are are sharing in that with me, and, and so I'm just going to soldier through this morning, and you'll have to forgive me if, as I do this, if uh, my, my throat sounds weird, or even if I have to reach here for my handkerchief and wipe my nose like that, you know, you just understand that that's, that's just part of surviving this weather right now. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 26, we read this, this passage, it tells us that if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth... There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. And anyone who has set aside the law of Moses, we read, dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. What, is this, what does this mean? What is this pointing us to? Well, it's showing us this morning that we have a greater responsibility as followers of Jesus. Throughout our study in the book of Hebrews, we are looking at how Jesus is greater than everything else in this world. And so we've even called this study through the book of Hebrews greater than because page after page, verse after verse in the book of Hebrews, we see that Jesus is greater than everything else in this world, greater than everything else in this life. And what we see in this passage that we're studying this morning is that Jesus gives us, because of our faith in Christ, we have as followers in Jesus a greater responsibility toward toward this understanding that we have. And so we're picking up here mid-thought, mid-flow, if you will, in verse 26. The passage that we studied last week pointed us to the confidence that we can have in Jesus, the confidence that we have in our, our confession, the profession of faith that we make, confidence because of the work that Jesus has done for us. You need to look only as far back as verse 19 where it says we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. We have confidence because of the work that Jesus has done for us, confidence in the faith that we have. And this confidence that we have in our faith in Christ gives us now, as followers of Jesus, a greater responsibility. So in this passage, as he's continuing this thought, he says these key words, right? If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, 
there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. In order to fully understand the weight of what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, you would have had to have been here with us a few weeks ago when we studied in Hebrews chapter 6. And Hebrews chapter 6 addresses those that, that confess outwardly some form of faith, but there's no evidence that there's ever been genuine faith at all. And the point that he's making here is that if we would profess faith in Christ, but there's no evidence, there's nothing there to, to give testimony, to bear witness to the faith that we profess, then now we stand in this, in this, un, this, this undesirable position of God's judgment. That if we profess our faith in Christ, but in fact there is no genuine faith in him, then we are in a terrible place because we have cast aside the law, which is no longer of any good for us anyway, right? We could never earn our way to Jesus, and now because of Christ, the law has been superseded by the work of Jesus. He is our true great high priest, we've learned in our study of Hebrews. And so if we've cast aside the Old Testament system, knowing that it's no longer good for anything but to point out our need for something greater, and if we have now heard the truth of Jesus, but set that aside as well, then we are in the unenviable position of treading lightly with God's mercy and His grace and deserving of His judgment. What He's telling us here is that for those of us who truly believe we have a greater responsibility that we would do something with this faith that we have been given. Do something with this faith that we profess. He goes on. Let's read in verse 29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? Again, he's pointing to the fact that how much greater must the judgment be for the one who has heard the word of truth, who has listened to the gospel message, but not received it. What a, what a frightening, what a terrible position to be in, to know the good news and yet dismiss it as if it wasn't for you. Verse 30, for we, we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So we understand, first of all, this morning, that because of Jesus, because of the work that Jesus has done for us, because of our faith in Jesus Christ as believers in him, we have a greater responsibility, a greater responsibility that we would do something with the faith that God has given us. But not only a greater responsibility, but we see in this passage a greater possession as well. A greater possession as well. Let's keep reading verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Now that phrase that I really want you to zero in on in this, in this section is this. You knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. 
we have a better possession because of Jesus. A greater possession because of Jesus. What's he talking about when he's talking about the greater possession? What are, what are our possessions? Our possessions are our things, right? Our possessions are the things that we have. In fact, for many of us in the last few days and, and maybe even in the next few days, we've added, to, we've added to our possessions, right? I remember when our children were younger and, and the toys were a little bit bigger that we would go visit family on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day and I remember a conscious conversation that we would always have before we left the house was, we've got to, do, we've got to make room for all this stuff that we're going to have to bring home eventually, right? And we would get stuff. And, and even, just, even just a few days ago, celebrating with my parents and my family, Pike opened this present that was so big that I'm thinking, how's that going to fit in the car? And, and the statement that I made was, well, that's great. That'll be great here at Grandma and Grandpa's house, Right? Because I was thinking, how are we going to get that? How are we going to get that home? We know what our possessions are. Our possessions are our things. But consider consider the thought of your possessions in light of this passage and what he's teaching us. Our possessions aren't just our things, but he's talking about the faith that we possess. Because by faith in Jesus. We receive a a new life, a righteousness that is not our own. God gives to us because of Jesus a righteousness by faith that we can never earn or deserve on our own so that we possess by faith salvation in him and hope. And these are things that God has given to us as a gift. And what he's reminding us of here is that this is a greater possession, an abiding possession. Yesterday with our children, as we were preparing to unwrap Christmas presents with our kids yesterday, Rayleigh and I and, and our four kids, I sat our kids down and, and before, I, before we allowed them to open presents together, I got out the Bible and we read the story and I made this statement, right, to, to our kids. I said, I, I want you to know something about everything that we're about to open. Someday all of this stuff is going to be gone, right? Someday you'll no longer care about any of this, no matter how excited you are about all of this stuff that we're about to open. Someday you're not going to care about any of this. Why do I know that? Because I was once 6, 8, 10, 13 years old, and I remember how excited I was for the things that I got on Christmas, and I remember the joy and the anticipation and the excitement, and at 38 years old, I no longer have any of it, right? Right? Because someday the things of this world will pass. But here's what we understand to be true. Because of Jesus, we have faith. We possess a righteousness, not of our own doing, not of, not of our own works, a righteousness that is not our own, but a righteousness that he gives to us as a gift by faith that is an abiding possession an abiding gift, a gift that will never fade. In the moment that we shared with our children this morning, we talked about the kingdom of God that would rule forever. And that kingdom, of course, of course, is not an earthly kingdom. It's not even speaking of a physical position, a physical heavenly kingdom. Although I believe there is a heavenly kingdom and I believe it's a physical place. He's talking, of course, about the kingdom of God by faith. The, the inhabitants of God in the hearts and lives of his people by faith. The kingdom of God is in us as believers in Jesus. And we possess this kingdom, this abiding kingdom, he tells us. But here's the warning that the book of Hebrews challenges us with. There are many people who will profess this, 
but never truly possess it, right? And so the question this morning that you have to consider is this. Do you possess what you profess? Do you really have the faith that you claim that you have? And the truth of the matter is, the only person that can know that is you. I can point you to the scriptures. I can point you to what the scripture teaches us about what it takes to know Jesus Christ, what it takes to possess faith with him. I can, I can walk you through praying a prayer of faith, and I can listen as you make that humble confession of faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, but ultimately only you will know if that is sincerely the attitude and the position of your heart as you surrender your heart and your life to him. Do you possess what you profess? That's the point of this passage this morning, because there will be many who will profess faith in Jesus, but they will go on living without any real evidence of genuine faith in him. Oh, what a frightening position to be in, to think that you've done enough because outwardly you've done all the right things, but never to have truly surrendered your heart by faith to Jesus. So we have a greater responsibility, a responsibility to understand what genuine faith is, a responsibility to live by faith. We have a greater possession, a faith that is abiding. That means that it's eternal, it's lasting in nature. And then finally we see in the passage this, a greater reward. What is the prize of our faith? What is the, what, what is the, 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 ultimate, the ultimate reward of our faith? It is that we have Jesus so many people go through life looking for something else. They're looking for all the things that Jesus might give them. They're looking for all the things that Jesus might afford them, all of the things that Jesus might bring him. But what the writer of Hebrews brings us back to again and again is there is nothing else. If you have Jesus, then you have everything because there's nothing greater. Jesus is everything. Jesus is our truth. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our strength. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our everything. And there's nothing greater in this life that we might possess than faith in him. So we have a greater reward for us when waiting for us when we, when we truly place our faith and our hope in Jesus. Read verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. You see it there, right? What's the reward of our confidence, that profession of faith? It's Jesus. For you have need of endurance. And, and I suppose we could pause there and say, no, no truer words have ever been spoken, right? We have need for endurance. You have need for endurance. I have need for endurance. We need something that will sustain us in this life, something that will carry us through the ups and downs, the joys, the disappointments in this life. And what does this passage teach us? It teaches us that we have Jesus. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now the point of what he's saying here is this. For those of us who genuinely have faith, for those of us who have truly and genuinely placed our faith in Jesus, we are not those who, who profess faith and pull back. We are, our faith is real. Our faith is genuine. And how do we know that? What's the evidence of that? Is that we would continue that we would persevere, that we would press on and continue in 
this faith that we have in Jesus. In other words, the point of our faith isn't just about a future hope someday when Jesus comes again. Although, to be clear, we hope in that, and we know that our hope will not disappoint. We know that one day Jesus is coming again. Here it is in this passage, right? Here it is in this very text that we've read. Yet a little while, and the coming one will not delay. We know Jesus is coming again, but our hope just in, isn't just in a future event. Our hope is here and now, today, as we live by faith in Jesus, the one, the one who helps us to endure the struggles and the sufferings, verse 32 tells us, by faith in him. In other words, we might say it this way on Christmas morning. The, the point of Christmas isn't just about this day. It's about every day, right? The hope that Christmas gives us isn't just a hope for December the 25th. It's a hope for every day that we live in this life. We have hope because of the faith that we possess in Jesus. And we have a responsibility to live with our eyes fixed on that great reward that awaits us because of our faith in him. He calls us in this passage to abide, right? And he tells us that he gives us a better possession and an abiding one. When I read that word abide, I always think of Jesus' instruction to his disciples in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus is sharing a moment with his disciples prior to his arrest, his betrayal, his crucifixion. And he says to them, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He goes on to say, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you see that in what Jesus is teaching us? That we can abide in our faith because of him. And when we abide in him, when we keep his commandments, what he gives us, the reward that he gives us, is joy and fullness of life. It's not just a hope for someday, although to be clear, we do have a hope for someday, but it's a hope for today, a hope for tomorrow, a hope for every day of our lives. Because of this baby that was born on Christmas morning, because of Jesus, we possess by faith a greater reward a reward that will not disappoint, a reward that leads us to know his joy. See, Jesus didn't just come to give us a new set of rules to follow. That's what Hebrews teaches us. Faith in Jesus is not about just reinventing the game and giving us a new set of rules to follow. No, instead, faith in Jesus gives us joy, a joy that sustains us, a joy that's greater than anything else that we would possess in this world, a joy that's abiding in us. So the fullness of joy that we seek comes in keeping his commandments. It comes through abiding in his love. It comes through living in light of this greater reward. But you know, we cannot talk about this faith that we possess. We cannot talk about this reward that, that Jesus offers us without taking a moment to, 
to, to remind ourselves of why it is that we can know this reward, why it is that we can possess this faith. We can possess this faith. We can know this reward because when we were lost in our sins, when we were trapped in utter darkness, in bondage towards sin, God sent Jesus. What we remember on this Christmas morning and every Christmas morning and frankly, every day of our lives is that we who once had no hope now have hope because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us on the cross, because he gave himself up for us willingly as a sacrifice to pay the price for your sin and my sin. And friend, today, if there's never been a moment when you have trusted in Jesus by faith, then what would stop you from making today, Christmas morning, 2016, the day that you surrender your life to Jesus and by faith that you profess your faith in him and you possess this abiding possession of faith that is greater than anything else in this life. In a moment, we're gonna have a time of invitation, a time of response. And as we stand in that moment to sing that song together, the invitation is this, that if you are ready by faith to trust in Jesus, if you are ready to surrender, if you are ready to possess what you might profess, then today would you surrender your life to him? Our altars will be open at that time. Our staff will be here at the front ready to pray with you, ready to pray a, a prayer of faith with you, ready to, to, to stand beside you as you profess your faith in Jesus Christ, confessing him as Savior and Lord, turning from your sin and turning toward him and his work on the cross. If that's you today, I want you to know we're ready to receive you. We're ready to celebrate that with you as you surrender your heart and your life to him. I want to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes with me. And as we prepare now for this time of response, this time of invitation, I encourage you to look inward. I encourage you to ask yourself this question this morning. Do I truly possess by faith this reward that, that we're speaking of? Has there ever been that moment when you surrendered your life to Jesus and received this promise, this abiding hope which will carry you and sustain you in life? If not, then friend, today is the day. Would you come in a moment as we sing this song? Let's pray together. God, as we turn all of our hearts and our, and our thoughts toward you this morning, I, I pray now, God, that you would, you would be drawing the lost toward you. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who's never possessed by faith this reward that we might have in Jesus, I pray that now, God, you would speak to them so clearly, so, so unmistakably that they know that this is the moment when they need to surrender their life to you. Lord, for those who have already taken that step of faith, God, we give you praise, we give you thanks, and we, we confess publicly, corporately together, our understanding, Lord, the greater responsibility we have to live by faith, to possess what we profess so that our lives might point others to the reward that is available in Jesus. We pray all of this in your name this morning.